Today, we will be chatting about navigating your niche evolution, timing, and purposes. One of the biggest areas where creatives find themselves confused, easily influenced, and just trying to figure things out is usually during the processes and evolutions of their niche. I think the idea of a niche has become a goal and like a winning mile marker when a niche is actually an ever-developing expertise and focus. The entire creative process is about excellence, curation, and depth levels, not a singular path and point of success and clarity. It's not a one-time thing. When you see your creative inspirations and evolutions that way, you can start to avoid the following. One, working on the wrong project at the wrong time. Two, forcing projects that were meant to be on hold for a different time. Three, missing out on a skill set building experience that supports next level goals yet to come. Four, the guilt and pressure that comes with trying to do it all at once. Five, making a business out of something that's not supposed to be one, since that can lead to ruining your credibility too because you usually don't put your all into it. Number six, not making any moves out of creative perilous from inspiration overload. Niching is just your custom mix of skills, mastery, and experience to create a signature association. Meaning when you or other people think of you and what you offer, what is their association? What do they think of? What do you think of? Niching can be the exclusive focus on one specific element or the unique combination of elements to create a -a one-of-a-kind association. It's what prompts your entire marketing narrative and can disrupt industries. Because the nature of niching is so focused in, it doesn't always come overnight. I actually encourage my clients to niche down a few levels over time to help their narrative truly stand out and provide value as well as help them access a deeper level of clarity and appreciation for what they do. The art and process of niching and creating a personal style are very similar. Do you ever really stop? No, because as long as you're alive, you remain exposed to inspirations, you grow, you evolve, and there's more opportunities to go to your next level of excellence and purpose that arise. For multi-creatives, which are people who genuinely have a solid, diverse skill set and or a vision that has a ton of layers and evolutions, it's even harder because you could easily explore different facets of your creativity, but you might not know which timing is the best or when to focus on what idea, and those things are so, so crucial. Too many treat a certain project or model of their business like the end-all be-all and don't assign any value or purpose to the projects or experiences leading up to it. A project or season of learning something doesn't have to become a business, make six or seven figures, or allow you to quit your job for it to have been worth the time and not to be a waste of your energy. Some seasons of creativity are about providing you with a skill set that is an investment into your own learning process. Yes, schools and MBAs matter, but that real-life experience of encountering the process, what it really takes, and problem-solving along with learning and practicing are where the real creative leaders are made. I tell Kevin, my husband, all the time when I worked on something that was challenging or I feel like something is harder for me than I expected it to be, that is just a part of my custom divine NBA that God is providing for me. That if I'm experiencing something, it's for a reason and it's most likely because I will end up helping somebody or teaching somebody about it down the line. A lot of it comes down to aligning and recognizing your creative rhythms and instincts, but how? Before I get into that, I want to first share some of my processes over the years and as they've continued, and I'm sure as they will continue to evolve, how my niche has changed. I've always had a creative and entrepreneurial spirit. Even as a kid, I would come up with creative projects, I would outline them, I would come up with all the details, I would obsess over them, I would write stories and I would create guides and I would make fake curriculums and, you know, fast forward many years, not a lot has changed, except my curriculums aren't fake. There were always little creative endeavors I wanted to create or pursue. 
But now, looking back, I realize many of them were before their time simply because the technology didn't exist yet to support them. That right there is a huge key because many of the inspirations and ideas that we have are before their time on purpose. For many ideas, there's a lot of elements that need to align to support them. It could be people, technology, economical trends, social readiness, and the timing of God accounts for all of that. You might get the idea early, so once the other elements align, you're ready to go. But in 2010, business-wise is when it got real for me. I started doing photography, and that was my first experience with not even realizing I had the power to niche in as I started my business. I thought I had to be every type of photography to everybody. But it was when I was working with creatives on portfolios or product shoots that I saw the depth emerge. We started thinking about the graphic design that would surround the pictures for the websites or promotional material they would be a part of. Now, around this time, out of necessity for my own site and a general curiosity for the process of my clients, I then studied and taught myself graphic design. Now, here's where I got confused, as most creatives can do. I got to a place where I could probably have made a business out of design, but I had to honor my inspirations and instincts of not wanting to do certain projects or feeling like a resentment overall whenever I would get a design project. And I realized that my season of studying and perfecting graphic design was a twofold purpose that had nothing to do with monetizing it. It was an investment into my own business toolbox. I never have to call or pay somebody when I want to make a change. I don't have to hope they'll understand what I'm trying to design. I don't have to invest my money outside of my business to create an icon for social media or design graphic for my website. Now, I'm not saying everybody has to learn graphic design. It might not click for you. But learning a related skill is sometimes more about a skill set investment and a self-sufficiency than outward monetization. The design skill also gives me an educated and trained perception when it comes to the overall brand experience a user absorbs, which is a huge component for placing content and doing brand audits. I let doing graphic design and photography become a dedication to my brand mastery instead of scattered confusion about my current brand model. And in between then and now, there's been a few spinoffs of what I do, and each one showed me two things what I do and do not want my life rhythm to be in relation to my business, and a deeper understanding of different business platforms. I have had a firsthand understanding of what it takes to run a service, product, handmade craft, coaching, and freelance business style model. Instead of seeing those things as distractions or weird turns I could maybe even be embarrassed by, I see them as what they are, training so I can teach with real deal understanding and not regurgitated theory. Now, if you notice, everything I did was related to branding and business at its core. It was related to getting a creative idea off the ground and developed and out to other people. Each one had potential in its season, and I gave myself fully to them, and then they gave back to me, allowing me to experience clarity and progress deeper in my own vision and offer the people I work with a signature skill set that can't be duplicated, which allows you to naturally set yourself apart and feel the uniqueness of your brand narrative. So here are a few takeaways that you can absorb for your own creative path. Number one, trust your inspiration downloads. I believe inspiration is a love language from God and that he speaks to us and unfolds his plans for us through inspirations, like a callback to how he designed us or like a treasure hunt of discovering truth hints. Inspiration is powerful and yet it can sometimes take on a passive energy in our culture, like being inspired is what happens before the action takes place. But if you start to honor inspiration as the action, you'll learn to let it help you make decisions concerning timing, phasing, and the blueprint intentions of your ideas. A lot of us have multiple projects on our plate. 
Have you ever planned to work on one thing, but it's almost feeling forced or distracted because one of the other things on your plate keeps popping in your mind and you just want to get it out and put time to it? That is a good indication of what to be working on in that moment. There are days where in the morning I feel like I could not not work on this one thing, even though I planned in my mind to work on something else. Then that evening, I felt more peaceful and clear to work on the initial thing because the creative download that took over the morning got its time. That's just one of the many ways that letting your inspirations lead can look like, especially when it deals with trying to figure out timing or not feeling so overwhelmed by all the things that you want to develop. So if you have a lot on your plate, try trusting the one that you can't stop thinking about or trying to improve. Some of the other ideas are things to work on, but maybe for later in the day, the week, the month, or even years from now. Not every idea has to be developed right away. Sometimes God will give you a glimpse early on so that it's simply on your creative radar. And sometimes you have to experience or build a layer first for the rest to sit on. Number two, trust resistance. This one is a little difficult because resistance might mean a test or a sign. Sometimes resistance is the time to push and sometimes resistance is the time to pause. All I will say is that when there is resistance, know that it's a time to evaluate. Not quit or doubt, but simply evaluate. Be honest with yourself. Is it feeling forced or is it feeling like a challenge? Is it stretching a comfort zone or is it just creatively dead? Aligning with knowing the difference is a major level of discernment and it allows for creative authenticity. Number three, understand that process is an art of its own. There's layers to niching and it can take years to truly align with what your focus is, but there's a lot of purpose fulfilled within the experience. Just because a creative path wasn't your end-all be-all business model or successful creative project doesn't mean it failed or didn't have purpose. That's the beauty of the creative experience. As you learn, you can still impact and find peace in what you're doing right now and that it's all you need to be focused on. Yes, you may go deeper into creative focus later. Yes, you may have other businesses or projects that spin off of what you're currently doing, but none of that will happen if you don't give your current level a present energy full of excellence and respect. Creatives sometimes resent the times that define them because they can't conventionally measure the worth with influence or dollar signs. A lot of growth in those times is what allows you to be an expert, a thought leader, or the inventor that you are. The times of paying your dues, getting your stuff off the ground, or whatever else we say, is actually a time full of so much purpose and mastery. It's usually in those times you are able to have the space and time enough to tinker and work out the kinks of your own creative truths and project models. Know that sometimes God will have you focus on something and put the work in well before it's time. Number four, don't limit your excellence or pressure your timing to comfort others. Too many times we force a phase or a project because there's a pressured influence somewhere in our life. Either we don't want to look like we've changed lanes, we don't want to look like we didn't follow through, or we just want to be taken seriously. Multi-creatives get labels scattered all the time, and we want something we do to work and be successful in the eyes of others to prove the value and purpose of what we do. Sometimes we try to box in our excellence because others can't put their finger on it. Take a listen to podcast episode number three for a more in-depth breakdown about the relational pressures creatives deal with if what I was just talking about triggered something in your spirit. Number five, remove your own ego and personal expectation out of the perspective you're evaluating from. Yes, you have to have spiritual expectation and a high level of faith, but there's another type of expectation that we put on situations that creates resentment, confusion, and pressure. In all transparency, it's something I'm dealing with right now on a few different levels. I realized I had created a timeline in my own mind and then was feeling some type of way until in prayer, God showed me that he had never given me that timeline that I did. You really have to surrender to the process to be able to hear the spirit of God without bias, especially as it relates to timing. 
Timing becomes the one thing that influences a lot of creatives to make decisions that aren't actually true to what's going on in their spirit. 